You're listening to the I-5 Corridor, hosted by Tyson Alger and Aiden Schneider. Welcome to the I-5 Corridor. I'm Aiden Schneider. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host Tyson Alger. Tyson, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. I, I appreciate you letting me me take a little bit of a break with these intros. That that sounded really nice. Yeah, we thanks. We like to share the load around here. Uh, anything you need, just let me I, know. I, well, I think this is episode 26 overall, and, and you know we haven't necessarily done them all together, but uh, you know I feel I feel like we're getting the hang of this, uh, and I, I think a big part is being able to react to uh, just kind of the news the day presents you and. And boy, did Cyrus Habibi Licchio give us a gift today, didn't he? <laughs> he did. I, uh, I've i been a little torn. So uh, for, for those who may not have seen the tweet, Cyrus said he was debating with a former teammate on if the 2019 Oregon football team or 2015 Oregon football team would win if they played. And at first, of course... My biased self, my initial reaction was, oh, definitely 2015. The offense was incredible. But as I've been thinking about it as the day's now, gone on, I'm not so w- sure. Were, were you on that team? I sure was. Oh, okay. Just just, just making sure in case uh, people are curious about our biases here. <laughs> so uh, what, what was your initial reaction like at uh, first and then when you thought about it? Okay, so if if it's the hypothetical where everyone's healthy, my initial reaction was the 2015 team would house the 2019 team. Uh, the 2015 team is the one that we always say that if Vernon was healthy, that team was the one that maybe could have reached the playoffs for the second consecutive year. Uh, it was an offense that was as electric as it was the year before with Marcus Mariota at quarterback. Uh, the defense wasn't great, but it did have DeForest Buckner up the middle, who was had one of the most kind of dominant seasons that I've seen from an Oregon duck on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and so like, I was like, yeah, like, of course that team is going to blow out almost any other team in Oregon history, but I think it's an interesting matchup. And like, I, I have my qualms obviously with the 2019 team's offense, just because of the way that it was managed throughout that year. I mean, we are saying that they do have Justin Herbert who, uh, turns out is pretty good. Um, but the biggest strength of that team was that team's secondary. They they led the Pac-12 in interceptions. And 2015, Vernon Adams, Darren Carrington, backyard football style of scramble it out, uh, go for the big play, home run ball. That worked a lot. But if you're playing a secondary that was as good as that 2019 one, it you know, could come back to bite them a little bit. And I apologize for my dog barking in the background. Yeah, I think that's a fair argument. Um I just, just looking back at that 2015 team, I, I really truly do think that would have been a playoff team without the quarterback injury. Um, going back to the loss at Michigan State, that 31-28 loss uh, with Vernon playing with a broken finger. And even with him playing with a broken finger, right at the end of the game, it was probably two minutes left or less to play. Byron Marshall was wide open in the end zone after the corner fell down. And, and Vernon overthrew him. So, and then Vernon missed, I believe, the Georgia State game and the Utah game and the Colorado game. Maybe even Washington State. I think he came back at Washington. 
um, later in the conference schedule. But I just, the 62-20 to loss to Utah at home, it looks bad, but a team without its quarterback losing momentum, uh, I just think you kind of got to throw that one out. And it, it's, it's, it's hard to, because in, in my head I want to say that, like, okay, that Vernon team wouldn't ever – have a game like the Arizona State one from that the 2019 team had where it was basically like they had their chance to make the playoff and then they had a complete just like they laid an egg on the road um but also then you can't say that he didn't have a perfect season either just because he didn't have that opportunity like we we just don't know how that team would have been with Vernon over a complete entire season stretch we don't know if he would have had a bad game here or there but um, man, like just fr- from covering the, both of those entire seasons, there were times where I thought the 2015 team was as good as any team in the country. And I just don't think I ever felt that was 2019. And that's such like a BS sports writery way of like being like, oh, the feel of this team or the look. But that's that's just the way it felt to me. Yeah, but I, I think that's a, a valid take. And so the more I thought about it, when I started to think about the 2019 team, when you just take total talent into account, I think maybe it skews a little bit towards 2019 because of who they had on the roster. But I think the thing that limits them a little bit, honestly, is coaching because especially on the offensive side of the ball, because it's easy to say like they had Herbert, they had all these names and we know what Herbert's been able to do in the NFL. It's been unbelievable, but I think, even people who thought he was going to be good didn't quite see that coming from his product in college. And, and I just think the, the openness and aggressiveness of the offense in 2015 would really play to their advantage. And when a good offense is playing a good defense, I think, especially as we saw from some of the, the points they put up in 2015, a lot of the times the better offense wins. The, the one thing that like I haven't seen in any of these discussions really yet either is like, 2015 was essentially peak Royce Freeman. And I, I think that, you know, the the further we get away from Royce's career, I, I think maybe there were times during his career where it was like, oh, maybe Royce is as good as LaMichael was. I think now that maybe a little distance has came. People realize that LaMichael was, was probably more dynamic. But Royce was really freaking good. And, and that, was, that was the year where he was absolutely at his best. I mean, that was a dynamic Oregon running game. Like, that was... Uh, that was a really good football player right there. And, and that's somebody who's getting kind of glossed over just because we're talking about Darren Carrington and uh, Vernon Adams and, and kind of that connection there. Yeah. And, and one more thing about the 2019 team. I also think there is something to be said for the fact that we're talking about what ifs with Vernon Adams and the 2015 team. Yeah. No, it, it was a really successful season. Uh, when you look at the Alamo bowl, 300 plus yards of offense in the first half. That's potentially the most dominant offensive half by an Oregon football team ever. And and that's saying something given some of the teams we've had, but there's definitely something to be said for the 2019 team, although they didn't make the playoff getting the job done and finishing with the Rose bowl title. What, what was the difference between like Vernon in the locker room versus like Marcus? <laughs> Vernon's just a lot Kind of, I mean, Marcus was friendly too, but Vernon's just a lot more like outgoing and kind of playful and messing around. And 
Marcus is a really nice guy and and definitely would would spend time around everyone, but he's just a little more reserved and and not quite as much joking around and poking fun and just having a good time. It it would have been fun to watch like the the cave on Thibodeau go up against um just kind of Vernon's scrambling ability. Uh, just kind of like that speed there. I mean like I think people might like see some Vernon highlights and confuse him for like a running quarterback. Like this wasn't a guy who was ever like compiling yards, but he, he was running around a ton in the backfield and, and that would have been a, an awfully fun matchup to watch. Cause I, I did me- mention the secondary, but Oregon's front seven from that 2019 team was awfully good too. Like Andy Avalos's defense that year was, was a pretty complete package. Yeah, that, that would be a super fun matchup to see. Um, Vernon was, like you said before, just playing backyard football. Like, I, I swear, so many of the big plays that happened that year felt like it was completely outside of the structure of the offense. Like, the play breaks down, Vernon's running around, like, one, runs to one hash, runs to the other hash, and then, lo and behold, Darren Carrington's open 55 yards down the field. Um, and I think it was really great that the coaching staff kind of gave him free reign to do that because they knew the talent and they knew what he had. And I think that I really do think that that would have ended up uh, carrying Oregon to a playoff spot. Had he not been hurt. I, I love that combo because anybody who listens to this podcast or reads me probably knows that, you know, I'm probably not the brightest football mind out there in terms of, you know, just straight up understanding the X's and O's of the game. But Vernon and Carrington looked like to have just the most simplest, like, just go get open. I'll find you if it all breaks down, like, just go. And, like, talking to them, like, during that year about, like, how their scramble drills worked, like, they basically said that was essentially it. It was just play breaks down. I'm looking for Darren. Go get open. I'm going to chuck the ball. And it worked a a lot. (laughs) Yeah, that's something. So I, I wouldn't say I'm the brightest football mind either. But one thing that I've always kind of been amazed by is just throughout my career, there's a decent amount of players who don't always know the playbook super well and are just freak athletes and get it done. And I think most people probably wouldn't know that. And I mean, I'd never notice unless I heard people talking about it, but it's uh, the athleticism really shines through. And apparently you don't have to study the playbook all that hard to be successful. Uh, one, one thing that I did see get brought up a lot about the 2019 team was like, okay, well, Jacob Breland would be healthy. And Oregon's offense was, uh, it did have a different dimension when, when Breland was healthy. He did, I believe it was about midway through the season, he got hurt against Stanford. Um, but something that gets forget about that 2015 team too is they had three really good tight ends on that team. It was like Evan Bayless, Johnny Munt, um and Pharaoh Brown like all three of those guys have played in the NFL um and I, they, the 2015 team's wide receivers were also kind of getting glossed over because of how good 19 secondary is but Dwayne Stanford was a very competent Pac-12 receiver uh Braylon Addison was fantastic before his like knee injury and he's still a successful player in the CFL um Charles Nelson can do a lot of different things um I I, I think it would be an interesting matchup and, and I don't think I do think the 2015 team would hypothetically win, but I don't think it would be a blowout per se because 2019 was a very well-built team in the trenches, and and that's where you win a lot of football games. 
This is why they need to bring NCAA football back. I so know. We can, we can sim this game 100 times. Okay, so I want to get your thoughts on uh, the McCollum trade here in a second. Uh, but first, oh boy, did you kick that football. Oh, yeah. You, yeah, it was, uh, it's, it's feeling good to, to get back out there, and I feel like I'm really extending the range again. Yeah, for, for people who uh, who missed it, you can check it out on the I-5 Corridor's Instagram page. Uh, Aiden posted a video uh, from working out last week at a Grant High School where he's just like casually dropping 60-yard bombs. Um, that one looked like it could have cleared for by another like 10, 15 yards or so. Uh, awfully straight, nice follow-through. We're, we're going places, man. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. I got my fingers crossed. That's the goal. Now is that is that like a, you were telling me something about like the like the ball felt good? Yeah, that's uh, that's always been a big thing. Um, the how broken in the ball is makes a, a huge difference on how it feels coming off your foot and and how the ball flies. So I had a a nice pretty broken in NFL ball that I lost a couple weeks back, which was a real bummer. So I had to go buy some new ones and. I'm working on breaking them in, but progress is slow. So uh, I was able to to borrow a broken in NFL ball, and it's just it's night and day. It felt so, amazing. So, so I imagine like you probably could have like uh, understood the Deflategate scandal scandal in in terms oh. of in terms of somebody no, like liking their balls a very specific way. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, okay. no question. Um, CJ's gone. This is something that I think that we've all kind of expected for for quite some time. I mean, if you're a Blazers fan, it feels like it's been like five years of of will they, won't they with with, with the CJ tra- trade rumors. Um, I wrote a little piece that went up yesterday. Haven't talked to you yet. Thoughts? Oh, I got I got some mixed emotions about this one. I think ultimately it was the right move. Uh, maybe a little later than it should have been. But that being said, it's a bummer to see CJ go. He's he's such a great, well-spoken guy and, and representative of the city, and I doubt you could find anyone with a bad thing to say about him. So it's unfortunate to see him go. But I think if it's been, it's been proven over the last nine years, is it, that Dame and CJ have played together, that they're good. They're good together. They're a good combo, but there's only so far they can go, and it, it's time to move past that. That being said, I'm a little skeptical of the plan, but I, I do have some hope. <laughs> it's always weird when a city loses like one of its stars, and obviously CJ's not like a Dame quite level of star, but he, he's definitely he's an NBA All Star. He's a guy who is making a hundred million dollars or. A hundred million dollar contract, like he, he's in that kind of top echelon of of just I know who that guy is, and, and Portland doesn't have a ton of those guys. We only have like one major professional sport in this city. No knock on MLS. We obviously like our our Timber coverage and and like those games, but I mean the NBA is a different animal, and um, obviously Portland is is coming to a point where there's going to be quite quite the change in the franchise identity moving forward, and. You know, you just kind of gotta trust <laughs> uh, tr- trust people in charge to uh, to shepherd that to a to a new place. Yeah, it's it's funny looking at the roster. Like in the the last game against the Magic, you look on the court 
and it's like within a few days you're you're hardly recognizing who's playing anymore there's so much turnover and i think it's a ballsy move um to make to make that big of a change to get rid of covington to get rid of nance to get rid of cj and i see where they're going with trying to open up cap space to lure a free agent this summer but the skeptical blazer fan in me wonders what's going to be different this time when we've tried to lure free agents here in the past and we really just haven't had much success at all. What are you doing for the Super Bowl? I think I'm going to watch at home. Okay. Who are you who are you who do you want to win and who do you think's going to win? I mean, I want Cincinnati to win. Um you think it's going to happen? I don't know. I mean, like the Rams are like such a good team and I mean, just like to get to the most simplistic part of Cincinnati has a terrible offensive line and the Rams have Aaron Donald and Von Miller and a bunch of other just dudes. Uh, So I don't necessarily like that. But like Joe Burrow's just kind of got it, man. Like, I I don't know what it is. Like, Like, he seems like like this seems like it would be like the first part in his story. Uh, and it's like beating like the big bad, bad Rams, and like there's there's some other quarterback that he reminds me of a little bit who uh, was uh, kind of lanky, young faced, facing a big Rams team in his first Super Bowl. I'm not going to say Tom Brady, <laughs> but I'm going to say Tom Brady. Oh, you uh, you'll you'll have to you'll have to listen to this. And uh, I, I had posted a podcast uh, earlier talking to Shane just about the Oregon men's basketball team. And uh, I make like a small little case for LeBron coming to Portland in two years. So, you know, just, just, it's good. It's good. Just, no. just, you know, just, just check it out. Let me know what you think. But, uh, not when, a stretch. Realistic. When, when this is the official podcast of the LeBron James Portland chapter, uh, you know, we've just been here from the start. <laughs> We're going to get a billboard. We're going to make it happen. Could you, like, even imagine? Like, how do you think Portland would react to, like, having, like, a star that big? I don't even know. That would, like... I mean, it's it's hard for me to even think about because it feels so impossible. But that would mean... Would you... Is your... In this take of yours, is this LeBron coming to team up with Dame? So, my my take was... LeBron ha- LeBron has one year after this year left on his contract. Like last week he kind of like let it let it fly publicly that he wants to end his career with the Lakers, but his priority is to also play with Bronny and if that happens to not be in LA, oh. if that happens to not be in LA, he is willing to go somewhere else to do that. Le- so, you're saying majorly reach for Bronny in the draft. Correct. Because, okay. like, I mean, like, you don't trust the Blazers to draft well with these picks anyways. So, <laughs> so reach for Bronny with the draft. Damon, Damon, uh, LeBron are tight. Like, you see it at the All-Star game all the time. And, uh, yeah, you know, I'm just, just, wa- just watering the seeds, man. That's all we're doing. Well, I'm surprised you didn't throw your name in for interim GM. That's... Oh. It's not a bad plan. You know, things are going pretty well here at the corridor. Uh, I, I, I just, I don't need the extra stress. It would take a lot for you to step away, but if they made you an offer, you couldn't refuse. Is Dame the biggest star this city's had, like sports-wise? It's got to be. Am, am I missing any? I mean, like, like there's a street named after Clyde Drexler, like, but I just, 
you know, and I'm, I'm obviously missing a large portion of this because I've only lived here for 10 years, but. I, th- I think he is. I think with the, the level he's played at for the length of time, I think that there have been other, you know, you got Bill Walton in the 77 championship, but he moved on and, and played in Boston after. So, yeah, I think, I mean, I think the Blazers are the, the biggest game in town and Dame's being recognized as, if not already, will very soon be the greatest Blazer of all time. It's, uh, this is an opportunity for Oregon. Here, here, this might be a bit of a stretch, but like the Blazers have been like very consistently good for like the last decade. Like it, it, it's not often where like they just have a complete, like it's going to be garbage this year. Just trust us. Maybe wait, come back two seasons from now. Oregon, Oregon football, like they got a new coach. It's like this new program. It's this new brand. It's a lot of like get to know us, get like this. I, I, I just really feel like that this state, when things are going well, you have two things that people really care about, and that's the Ducks and the Blazers. And if the Blazers are going to be bad for a couple of years, that's probably an opportunity for the Blaze or for the Ducks to like even further their footprint. Because I remember when I first moved here in 2012, that was coming off of a period where the Blazers had struggled, I think, for like two years. The Ducks were as good as they've been. And like that was like the period where like every single truck had like the O with like the feathers like around it, like back plates. Like it was like like the peak of like win the day, like like that push of like like Oregon. And like I feel like that like that was the biggest like the, the Oregon brand has, has felt to me. And uh, if this landing team's pretty good, I like it, it, it could it could be, get really big for them, I feel like. <laughs> Yeah, and they they got a two year window to capitalize before LeBron shows up in Portland, so got to take advantage. <laughs> oh, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Well, <laughs> I, I feel like we got to get out of here before any other loony takes uh, pop up. Uh, <laughs> any parting thoughts, Aiden? Twenty fifteen team wins. Oh yeah, it's, it's, my, it's I my mean, final decision. Like we were trying to be PC about it, but twenty fifteen wins the line side. Anyways, that's the I we all we all podcast, knew. So yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, if it comes down to kicks, like, who do you want? You want this guy. You want I'm, guy? I'm, ta- I'm taking myself every time. Yeah, yeah. We'll just let him, if they let him kick from, like, anything further than, like, 35 out, Aiden Schneider is money. All right. <laughs> we'll talk to you all next week. listening to the i5 corridor hosted by tyson alger and aiden schneider all right welcome back to the i5 corridor podcast and i told myself that this wouldn't end up becoming like a bill simmons i'm just going to invite all my friends on and and talk to them because they're not all that interesting but it's my podcast anyways (laughs) and my good buddy Denon, I told him he's the only Cincinnati Bengals fan, fan I know, and I told him that if they happened to reach the Super Bowl, I would have him on my podcast. So today on the I Five Corridor podcast, we have my good friend Denon and my other good friend Derek, who is 
part of our mutual friendship. He is currently living in Ohio too. So just how are you guys doing? Denon, you're like four days out from the Super Bowl. Uh, this has got to be like the best Wednesday of your life. It's uh, it's pretty exciting. Um, I was telling you earlier, it's been like the longest two weeks I've experienced in a long time. And uh, yeah, I don't. I just kind of want it to be Sunday, as I'm sure everybody uh, <laughs> else does. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I never thought that this would happen. I'm not as long suffering as a lot of Bengals fans. I didn't really get into it until high school, but uh, it's still pretty pretty unbelievable, especially uh, Reds fandom and Bengals fandom. You just don't really expect stuff like this to happen. Like, like I, I imagine it was one of those things where, like, they get to the playoffs, you're probably just jacked about that. Like, you have a young quarterback, he's coming back from injury, you're like, yeah, let's, let's, let's see how this happens. Like, at, at what point does that transition into you being greedy and just being like, I, I want this? I, I, I'm still kind of like in the thing where I like under, you know, uh, I, I, my, my expectations are still, I tried to keep them very low and I tell everybody like, oh, I think we have a shot, you know, but deep down inside now I'm like, Joe Burrow's the man, we're doing it. And, uh, I'm kind of like, uh, you know, I, I'm getting greedy. I want it. I want to beat the Rams. <laughs> So, so Derek, uh, he and I grew up in Alaska together. He lived in Portland for like five, six years. Yeah, five. Uh, and you're now in Columbus. Uh, and you otherwise have just a ton of positive things to say about Ohio. Um, <laughs> uh, but like one of the perks, and, and this is why we always kind of give you shit when, when you complain about Ohio, is it seems like every week you've been going to like some sort of sporting event, whether it be baseball games during the summer or uh, a few uh, football games during the football season. And you've been to a couple Bengals games this year. You are the I-5 Corridor's Midwest correspondent now. Uh, as a man on the street, uh, what is the enthusiasm level like uh, on the streets of Columbus, Ohio right now? Oh, cautious optimism is, is the best way <laughs> I can explain it. Um, yeah, I, I, I've been trying to track down a Super Bowl party the past two weeks and it, it's been less than fruitful. Everyone's going to sit at home and, and watch the game by them by themselves because they don't want to be around other people to watch the game. And, and, and this isn't because Ohio is all of a sudden COVID conscious. It's because they're actually nervous about said football game, correct? Oh, so nervous about the football game. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, the Cincy, like you guys, do any of you guys actually realistically think since he has a chance in this game? Uh, I, I'm probably overrating him. I think it's like 60-40 Rams, I would say. Like, I, I don't know. I think that we have a chance, but um, that's just because, you know, at this point I think that we have a chance because I didn't think we had a chance like the first, you know, three <laughs> right. games. I thought we beat the Raiders, and then once we beat the Titans, I was like, all right, well, it'll finally be a... Uh, be over against the Chiefs so I don't know I, I think I'm probably overrating it now and, and we'll lose because of that it's I, I I'm I'm a little jealous for you for Sunday because uh I, I grew I'm a Seahawks fan uh Derek got to experience being with me while my team made it to the Super Bowl uh, I think that was your first winter in Portland uh, we went to the Buffalo Wild Wings by the airport you won like a a Bud Light cooler, a like mini fridge, a Budweiser can cooler, mini fridge. 
<laughs> and to be fair, that was like one of the mo- only like only interesting things that happened because it was like I didn't enjoy the Seahawks winning experience because it was like that game was over after like ten minutes. It was the the bad snap Manning was it safety fumble and then all of a sudden like that that game was a blowout and it's like I feel like you've been wait like you wait like all of this time. Uh, when, when you're not like a popular fan base to like get to that moment of like my team's going to do it. And then like it just didn't feel right for them to just like completely slaughter Denver in that game. <laughs> I think that's kind of what has been, you know, more fun about this Bengals run is that every game kind of has come down to, you know, literally uh, the last play of every game. There's been like a chance for the other team to tie it or win it. And uh, so it's, it's been, every game has been really exciting and, uh, yeah, I mean, if it's a blowout, uh, one way or the other, I guess, uh, you know, then maybe uh, come back down to earth a little bit, or or go to the moon, I guess, if uh, if it's a Bengals blowout over the Rams, I don't know. Derek, you're you're a Tennessee fan. Was it uh, like, did you like having Henry back for this playoffs to like give you guys like kind of like false hope of like, you know, maybe we can put this together, or did it just kind of feel like that this was a lost season and like altogether? I mean, was that loss really on Derrick Henry? That was completely on Tannehill. <laughs> True. <laughs> I mean, the the man came back from injury and and did just fine. You know, um, if he was doing bad, we had the the backup to to help him out. But like Tannehill was god awful, and I was really hoping <laughs> when that news came out that Aaron Rodgers was moving to Tennessee or buying a house or whatever that I was like, well, maybe we'll get like that Manning situation. You know, get them for a couple tail end years and maybe do something, but then they they doubled down on Tannehill, which kind of just yeah. And and I feel like that would have been such a easy fit in a place like Tennessee too that doesn't necessarily have like like a storied like quarterback. Like I mean, like obviously Steve McNair was like one of my favorite quarterbacks when I grew up, but it's not like Tennessee has like a great history going back of 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 quarterbacks. Like Rodgers could have easily gone in there like tail end of his like last four years probably become like a hero in that city uh you know and especially with with the way he's leaning you know him and clay travis could have ridden off into the sun sunset together um (laughs) but i mean i yeah (laughs) how dare you soil jake locker's name like that I, I feel like jake locker has soiled enough things on his own in his life (laughs) Uh, Denon, what, uh, what's new on, so Denon, Denon and Derek are both way more into, I mean, so I, I loved, um, baseball card collectibles when I was younger. I kind of tailed off, um, before like this new wave, uh, hit or kind of like, um, I mean the, the, the collectible, collectible market altogether is skyrocketing right now, but like, there's like a cool, like subject section that Denon's really into where it's just just kind of like really unique cards and some of them have like kind of like art done to them. And, and I don't know, Denon, it's what, what's the latest, this was a really bad setup, but, but what what are you into these days? Uh, well, yeah. Um, I, I got started getting back into, uh, trading cards a year ago and it started with a buddy telling me about this thing tops has been doing, uh, for their 70th anniversary called project 70. And basically they had a bunch of different artists, um, recreate, you know, old tops cards over the years, put their own twists on them and, and pick whatever players they wanted to. And, um, 
so so basically um they, they put these out every day for you know every weekday for you know a whole year it's about to wrap up finally um uh which is good because they're uh, twenty dollars a piece and i bought too many of them but um <laughs> they they a lot of really cool art and it's been a really cool way for me to get back into something that i definitely enjoyed more as a kid and uh didn't think I'd ever find my way back to. Do do you like it for the? I mean, I'm I'm assuming you obviously like it for kind of like the art and the collectible aspect of that. But like, do you care at all about like the whole resale market and, and that kind of side of, of, of the collectible craze? Um, not as much, or at least that's not what I try to uh, to focus on because I want it to be you know something fun that I do and not something that I'm just buying to try to flip, you know. But that part of it can definitely be fun too, because I, you know, have eventually found my way back to buying packs and boxes and stuff, and it's like a lottery ticket with uh, also really bad odds. Every time you <laughs> open one of those up, and then you just keep going back, and then uh, when you don't get anything that's you know uh, somewhat valuable or collectible to other people, then you're like, well, I just wasted uh, forty bucks on a bunch of paper. So I try to not think of it that way, and try to just collect players and and uh, teams that I like and, you know, and, and just cool pieces rather than uh, focus on that. But that stuff is easy to get sucked into. Derek, Derek were you much of a collector? Uh, I collected a lot of basketball court cards, um, <clears throat> but I kind of tailed off of that and just... And you hate I basketball. a lot of Pokemon cards. <laughs> I know I hate basketball. And for some reason, yeah. I had a bunch of basketball cards. But, um, yeah, I ended Did you up- ever go down to Sidekicks and actually play... Like, do, like, the Pokemon card duels? Oh, yeah. I got there early for this event that they did, uh, and I sat in that fake train outside the Palmer train station and, like, waited for them to open so I could get in line. And I got this, like, special Pokemon card or whatever um, that was just for, like, the that event that they were doing, like, nationwide. Dude, f- fads like that like just had a whole different energy to him because that was pre, I mean, it wasn't pre internet, but it was pre like organizing an event like on internet or like, like having something go viral. Just the fact that like you had kids waiting in a shop in middle of winter, Palmer, Alaska to play, to play like just like the latest, like, or, or like, you know, I just watched this documentary on like beanie babies too. And it's just every, every 10 years, there's like a new gotcha, like we're going to make, we're going to become rich off of this. <laughs> and then, you know, it's, I, I think uh, there's people like Denon who actually like collecting the things for, for the sake of collecting them. But I, I find like the market aspect of, to them to just be kind of fascinating. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the same thing right now with NFTs. Like you, you, you get people on both sides that really scream about what they actually think it is. And the majority that I'm seeing is just like it's a scam. It's a way to, to you know, launder money basically. But then some people really, really believe in them to the point that they're they're rabid about it. You know, the 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 most like real world application of NFTs that like I can like basically like proof of concept that you could show to me is all three of us play MLB the Show on uh, Xbox or PlayStation, and it's like one of those games where. Uh, 
the better you you play, you get packs to open up, and then you get to like actually use those players. Like if I, I think you could kind of explain NFTs to somebody like in those terms of basically like like that game's existed for like a whole like for fifteen years, and it has like a whole market for like buying and selling those cards on there. And they're not technically NFTs because they're not along like the blockchain, and they're not technically or, or whatever. But like I, I, I think that would probably be like the most like easy way to explain to somebody of like how something like digital or like fake like that or fake uh, actually has like some sort of yeah, but yeah. I mean, like 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 ultimately, it's all just bullshit, right? But yeah, you really showed your hand right there, huh? Yeah. But like you know, like like we all we all play those games, and like fortunately on that one they make it like easy enough where you don't really actually have to spend like real wor- world currency to like get your team good. But like on most of these sports games, and you can go to like Madden or FIFA or all those, it's just like they're wanting to, like if you want your team to be good or to like have those items, you actually have to spend real world currency on them. And so like there is like va- inherently value to the, these fake things. Right. Sure, but there's actually a use yeah. for that. Right. Well, I, I mean, like, I guess, like, ideally, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, ideally, when, like, it isn't, like, kind of the next evolution, they say, of, like, the NFT thing to be able to, like, use that in, like, the quote unquote, like, metaverse or whatever? Good luck. I mean, probably. And I, I don't really want to think about it because I don't want to ever get to that point but uh i know it's coming at some point and we'll probably all get sucked in one way or another uh even if we refuse to be a part of it you know like everybody that uh held out on getting a facebook and then you know now they're on there sharing memes every day (laughs) yeah everybody's parents that refused to send text messages or figure out what it was and now typing in all caps on facebook about whatever my uh my my parents have like they abstained from Facebook so I never really had to go through that and and now like that I'm like 32 or whatever I don't really care like if they happen to find my Facebook and find like oh my God there's me drinking in college photos, um or high school um but uh they they did get on Instagram and they are both uh pretty prolific Instagram users um I'm I'm impressed they 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 definitely both post more often than I do. Um, they do have a bit better view out of their front yard than I do, so maybe that, that <laughs> plays into it. But <laughs> I'm still afraid of like my grandma finding my uh, Instagram and and you know seeing pictures of me brewing beer, or, you know, uh, whatever it may be. So I I still have that fear in me, but I'm glad that you don't have that. <laughs> yeah, I, th- thank you. I appreciate that. All right, let's uh, let, let's get out of here on this uh, predictions for for the game. And uh, I asked you guys just to do a quick uh, glance. Are there any like prop bets that you're interested in for for this thing? No. Uh, Good. So Good. because be- it's 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 wrong. It's illegal. <laughs> uh, you shouldn't do it. <laughs> well, Ohio, the bill passed, but we ha- we are not able to bet on anything yet. Uh, I may or may have not have bought in a couple of squares for the Super Bowl, but that's really all I'm allowed to do. I've, I've never won a, like, like every year that we've gone to like Jason Quick's, uh, we all went to one, one of Jason Quick's Super Bowl parties, and, yep. and that's a pretty, uh, uh, that's a pretty profitable square if, if you hit it right. It's been a money pit. <laughs> it's rigged, I tell you. I've never actually seen the odds on squares, uh, but I, I'm betting that they're not Good. 
Oh, we did the squares when you had the party at your brother's house too, and and, and you won it thanks to the. Uh, yeah, I won the, the third and fourth quarter. That was the Patriots Rams Super Bowl. So God, that was the worst Super oh, Bowl I've awful. ever seen. Yeah, that game was yeah. awful. Here's hoping that the Rams put out another showing like that. <laughs> All right. Well, if anybody's actually made it this far into the podcast, uh, what you two don't know is this is going to be tacked on to the tail end of a real interview. Uh, so it doesn't have to be. <laughs> that's, that's what I wanted to hear. Yeah, no, we, we are not we are not leading with this. But uh, I, I figure, you know, we can just kind of get people's toes wet with you guys, get them used to your, your voices and uh, um very vanilla opinions, and then uh, then we just kind of maybe you each get your own channel on the I five corridor podcast network, and uh, we really just start taking this country over. I can ramp up my hot takes, you know. I can I can have them locked and loaded next time and make really bold predictions. All right, let's 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 test you really quick. Is Dame on the Blazers two years two years from now? My hot take is yes. All right, that's all the time we have. We, that's that's Denon and Derek, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Super Bowl on Sunday. Screw it. Go Bengals. Take care. Go Bengals. Go Bengals. Go Tigers. <laughs>